The Sex and Spirituality Podcast is a show where we have real deep conversations about everything from love, dating, sexuality, to mental health, trauma, spirituality, metaphysics, healing, and all things new age and woo-woo. I am your host, Lauren Coletti, a feminist poet and grad student studying forensic psychology with a focus on sexual health. As a domestic violence and sexual abuse survivor, I hope these vulnerable conversations will inspire you to take an introspective look at yourself to help you better your life and the people around you. Soren Coletti, I'm going to be real with y'all. Like, I do not feel like recording right now, if I'm being completely transparent. And you all know that this show is like, raw brutal honesty for me so I figure you know I don't feel like working out I don't really feel like taking a walk because the sun's kind of out like not out and it's dreary outside and my mood due to seasonal affective disorder just like shifts 180 degrees when it's not sunny outside so I want to talk with you I want to vent and share and talk about things that are going on in my life right now because I do a lot of episodes um, for the last year almost we've been here and start out as once a week then twice a week and the last six months or so I've been chronically unemployed and I'm not putting that out into the universe that was my past but my future is I'm attracting my dream job so anyway it's been about three times a week, and oftentimes I'll talk about subjects that I'm, I would like to think I'm knowledgeable and educated around, but you don't get to know me one-on-one as much. I mean, you do, because I tell my whole life story to the entire world. I, I've never really been a person that is private. Um, I don't like being private, if I'm being honest, because one, I don't have too much going on. Two, I just... I just don't see the point in like pretending everything's cool when it's not. But anyway, how is everyone doing? I am excited because right now I'm working on a website and you'll be able to book services with me. Um, I'm trying to add maybe around like six or so services. Right now I have around three and they will include um, law of attraction coaching, guided meditations, one-on-one auric energy consultations, energy clearing, uh, sex coaching, relationship and dating coaching, and all that jazz. I'm kind of on the fence if I want to do uh, personalized yoga sessions through Zoom or what have you, because they will all be online. So let me know what you want. And as soon as the website is officially ready to launch, I will upload it and you'll be sure to find that in my show notes. So right now... I've been going through kind of an existential crisis, which I'm going to make an entirely separate video on. But this week was kind of slow for me, but also kind of like not slow. Um, And if you're trying to just get straight into the fear of intimacy and like emotional hunger and associating pain with love, which this episode is going to be about, I suggest you skip ahead maybe like 10 minutes or so. But anyway, I joined, I started joining support groups. It's called Remind and it's for people living with depression and bipolar disorder. And quite frankly, I don't even know what my diagnosis is anymore. I don't think that it's 100% super important. 
and I don't want to place all this pressure on the label, but it's just kind of confusing. Um, so a little backstory for all my new listeners. I was diagnosed with clinical depression, aka major depressive disorder, around the age of like 15. That was the year my father died. And by then, I was already engaging in self-injurious behavior and suicidal. And I had started binging and purging, so I was bulimic. And then maybe a couple of years later, I was diagnosed with just social phobia back then, which now in the DSM, it's social anxiety. And self-injurious behavior continued. My eating disorder continued. And it wasn't until around like 21 that my diagnosis changed. Um, I was diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder. And I did an entire episode on bipolar disorder. And that same year, I was also diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder because I was in a very abusive, violent, traumatic relationship. And I don't even know if I so much had bipolar as to if I was just suffering with being chronically traumatized. (laughs) So a couple years later passed, and I don't know, it wasn't until around this year that I started resonating more with borderline personality disorder. And why do I say this? Because of my tumultuous and turbulent relationships and my consistent mood swings and the implosiveness that I have upon myself. Now, I haven't self-harmed in a couple years, which, I mean, I've had little slip-ups here and there, but I haven't, I don't want to trigger anyone, but I haven't self-harmed really in a couple years. Um, My eating disorder, I wouldn't say I have an eating disorder so much anymore, but I still struggle very much so with body dysmorphia. And uh, the other day, my therapist told me I have generalized anxiety disorder and PTSD. That's what she thinks that I have. And, you know, I guess she's the mental health counselor, so I'll let her decide. But I am myself um, in the mental health field and have a master's in psych and all that stuff. So I don't know if I have BPD. I kind of have like resistant to that diagnosis because if you listen to my podcast this week, it just seems kind of like, at least with bipolar or whatever, PTSD, like I can blame it on ex- external circumstances. I can blame my depression uh, or dysthymia on my brain and my neurochemistry and biology, but with borderline personality disorder, it just seems so much more personal. And I'm trying to, because that's kind of the most stigmatized disorder in the books, kind of next to schizophrenia. And it's just kind of a scary label for me, but I do, I do relate to a lot of the symptoms and signs and feelings of people who have borderline personality disorder, which I never thought I did before, you know, but it wasn't until I started dating Nick, my current boyfriend, that these things started popping up. And that's the interesting thing about relationships, right? Is that they show us our blind spots and they show us, I don't want to say our weaknesses, but the areas that we need to focus on and work on. And I had couples therapy with my boyfriend the other day and a lot of it came down to just intimacy issues and associating love with pain. And the other day, my boyfriend said to me, he's like, you know, Lauren, I just want to make sure that you're completely over your ex before, like, you know, it wouldn't be fair to me. It wouldn't be fair to you. 
if you're not, we're not on the same page. We're not in cahoots, so to speak, about what we want. And I was just like, baby, I, I, I'm over my, the person, my ex that traumatized me. I am over him. I don't want him back in my life. I think if he came back into my life, um, I don't know what the fuck would happen. Quite honestly, I don't know where my mind would be at because I would just be like, (laughs) I don't even know. Um, I'm over him, but I'm not over the trauma that he inflicted on me. And I don't know if anyone could relate, but like, I still sometimes feel like there's a knife in my heart from that. And I've slowly been trying to get it out, (laughs) but the trauma is still there. And sometimes I'm scared that it's never going to go away, that this wound is never going to close up and heal. And then I'm just going to keep hurting. And as a result of my hurting... I'm going to keep hurting others. And sometimes I just feel damaged beyond repair, irreparably like broken. And it's a really shitty feeling. Um, and Nick and I were talking about love. And I talked a little bit about this in my previous episode. And he was like, love is so happy. Love is so joyous and whatnot. And I was like, baby, I don't see love as anything besides pain. Like, I don't see love as this happy-go-lucky, joyous thing. I see it as love hurts me. And I've never associated being loved unconditionally. I've never known what that was like. So it's so uncomfortable and it just seems so foreign and unrealistic to me. And it's causing me to not be able to receive love and to push back and resist. And I've always viewed love as needing to be earned. It's, it's never been something that's just been naturally given to me just because. And I think a lot of this comes down to associating and learning love as emotional hunger, um, which is not love. It's a strong emotional need. You know, it's, it's caused by deprivation. It's a primitive condition of pain and longing, which people often act out in a desperate attempt to avoid or emptiness. And this emptiness is related to the pain of aloneness and separation and can never realistically be fully satiated in an adult relationship. Um, Yeah, a lot of people refuse to bear their pain and to face the futility of gratifying these primitive needs and dependency. I would say, like, I, they deny the fact of, for example, their own ultimate death and do everything in their power to create an illusion that they're connected to other persons. And this fantasy of belonging to another person allays the anxiety about death and gives people a sense of immortality because hunger is a powerful emotion, no matter which way you look at it. It's both exploitive and destructive to others when it's acted out explosively. So being in... uh, Calling it a toxic relationship is really like, it's, it's like light, you know, it's, it was way more than a toxic fucking relationship. It was the most devastating thing that's ever happened to me being in a relationship with a narcissist sociopath who was my first quote unquote love. Um, I mistakenly associated my longing and despair and, uh, apparent 
insufficiency with genuine affection and trauma bonding. I associated it with love and romance and I associated dysfunction and just the unhealthiness. I associated that with attention and connection and nothing could be further from the truth because these feelings of emotional hunger are deep and are like a dull but powerful act like aching rather in your insides and you might often find yourself reaching out and touching others or expressing affection and loving like movements in order to kind of like numb it or dull it and people often give physical affection and attention when they they feel the most need for it themselves, you know, because of the confusion between emotional hunger and love. Um, it's just a lot of innocent damage perpetrated onto a person, whether that was in childhood where we most probably learned it. And that's why we attract these unhealthy, manipulative people. Um, But it could also have happened in adolescence. For example, I was bullied. I was never accepted. I had this deep emotional hunger. And that's what I think caused my fear of intimacy. And I've talked about this several times. um, But to be intimate with someone, truly intimate, not a fuck buddy, not a one night stand, not a friends with benefits, that's really not intimate. I'm sorry. You could be physically fucking someone and not emotionally intimate whatsoever. Um... Because true vulnerability is intimacy. Um, It's a lot of courage and bravery to be intimate. It takes pretty much no bravery to have drunk sex with a stranger. So to be intimate with someone is to share close emotional, mental, spiritual, sexual, physical ties, every level. And if you fear this intimacy, like your girl, um, you know, you fear becoming too close to others. And if you have a fear of intimacy, you may be deliberately avoiding intimacy or self-sabotaging and causing this self-fulfilling prophecy that everyone's going to leave you and no one really loves you, no one accepts you, everyone rejects you because you're doing that unconsciously. Um, And this doesn't necessarily mean you don't want intimate relationships. You may long for intimacy, you may have this emotional hunger but you can't seem to allow yourself to settle in and relax into love. And, you know, fear of intimacy. I have a anxious avoidant attachment style. It can often stem as insecure attachment, particularly avoidant attachment styles, but it can, it could be misinterpreted as anger or indifference or coldness. This is something my boyfriend asks me all the time. He's like, if, you know, I, I did X, Y, and Z. Would you care? And I'm kind of just like, no, I'm Gucci. And I think that's partially like fear of intimacy is 110% an ego-based fear defense mechanism. But sometimes I, I just feel like I've gone through the worst and I've been hurt so bad that no one could ever hurt me that much again and I will never allow someone to destroy me quote unquote the way that I allow that person to just bulldoze my entire life and if you're asking yourself do I have fear of intimacy I want to ask you a couple questions do you have low self-esteem 
Do you have trust issues? Do you experience episodes of anger, whether that's outwardly or inwardly? Do you actively avoid physical or eye contact? Do you have trouble forming or committing to close relationships? If you've been listening for a while, you know I have commitment issues. I'm a commitment phobe. And the thought of being in a long-term relationship, it really scares the shit out of me because immediately what I feel is suffocated. I feel smothered. I feel trapped. You might also find yourself having a history of unstable relationships. This is prevalent in borderline personality disorder. Um, On the other hand, you might have an insatiable sexual desire or you might have no desire to be touched whatsoever. You might be unable to share feelings or express emotions healthfully um, or even live in self-imposed social isolation. That's me. I'm a self-imposed hermit. I just love being alone. I don't know why. I just really hate people being around me. It feels really um, invasive. So obviously we blame everything in psychology on childhood, but all in all, I think this is, this isn't, I try to tell my boyfriend, this isn't personal, baby. Like it's not you. It's my past. Um, when we've gone through so many experiences that are wounding or hurtful and make us question our worth, we might begin to just fear letting other people in because it's a lot easier to keep people at arm's length than it is to love someone and then have them leave us. It's, it's like I said, a defense mechanism. You, you don't allow yourself to trust in someone else because you don't want to get hurt. Um, fear of intimacy is is closely rooted in the fear of rejection, you know, so you never have to take those first steps towards building a relationship. You might fear rejection because it's happened to you or you've seen it happen and you don't want to experience that kind of hurt. You might also fear abandonment, you know. Um, I often worry that once I'm in an intimate relationship that it will end. Not so much the other person will leave because I've never been broken up with um, because I'm a runner. But it's, it's the death, it's the loss, it's the separation, it's that grief that really um, shakes me from the inside. And fear of abandonment is usually connected with something that happened in childhood, whether you're a foster child, whether you were adopted like me, whether your parents divorced, um, whether you had a parent that was sick or died like I did. Um, you know, this could often cause us to have that instability and that, that fear. So yeah. Um, other things that could cause it is like any type of abuse. Um, and I don't know, like neglect, um, enmeshment, which I talk about in my last episode on toxic families. For me, a a great one of it, because I was dating someone that was so possessive and jealous and controlling, I have this fear of being controlled um, and losing myself in a relationship, which has happened time and time again. So it's just these, these dynamics and these patterns, which kind of build, it ingrains this fear in our mind. And we think the only way to protect ourselves is to not let anyone in or to let them in so much, but never let it get past a point. And then when things start to become um, stable or intimate or vulnerable, then you get up and leave. And this this has had a personal significant impact in my life, um, particularly my romantic life. Um, 
it negatively affects the quality of your relationships. It's confusing. I don't know what I'm feeling half the time. I'd say 50% of the time I want to be really close with Nick and the other 50% of the time I'm like, why am I even in a relationship? I don't want this anymore. And it's this it's this like hot and cold dynamic, mostly caused by me, if I'm being completely honest. Um, it's, it causes me to withhold affection and withdraw. Um, it might cause you to put up barriers to sexual affection, emotional affection. And if your partner doesn't know or understand this, it's really easy. I don't blame them to take it personally and feel unwanted or unloved. And it's so interesting because the very thing we're trying to protect ourselves from rejection is the very thing that we are projecting and mirroring onto others while we try to preserve ourselves so i mean other effects are you know greater risk for engaging in unhealthy behaviors like substance abuse or um i don't know like gambling. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. A social isolation, which could lead to depression, serial dating, or having a lot of short-term relationships. That was me at one point. All my relationships lasted like six months long because once that NRE, new relationship energy started to wear off and the realness started to settle in, I would get scared. And I can't lie and say that hasn't happened with Nick. And it's really, it's hella scary because, oh God, am I going to cry? We're at like, I've known him for eight months, but we've been dating for seven and I'm kind of like, fuck, (laughs) like that X factor isn't there anymore. And it's scaring me because I don't think my greatest fear is getting hurt because I truly don't believe Nick would hurt me. He, he's the kindest soul in the world. He wouldn't hurt a fly, but I'm more scared of hurting him and my dysfunction. I feel like by him loving me, it's just destroying him. And that really fucking hurts. Because I feel like I destroy everything in my path. And I don't know if anyone can relate to that feeling. But it just feels really bad. (laughs) So in the end, I end up sabotaging my relationships by being difficult or overly critical or whatnot. And then I throw this pity party and I'm like, oh, I'm the victim. Everyone leaves me. But it's like, girl, you're doing it to your damn self. (laughs) So what can we do about this? How can we overcome it, quote unquote? Do we ever overcome it? Because I've been dealing with this for a little while. And and that's why sometimes I still feel so traumatized and controlled by my ex-abuser and perpetrator. Um, because sometimes I feel like even though he's not physically here, he's still running the show. He's still in my mind, gaslighting me and playing those brain mind fucking games. And it's like, damn, I spent all my love and attention and affection and energy on the wrong person. And now the potentially right person is in front of me. And sometimes I don't feel anything. Or sometimes I'm like, wow, I love him like a brother. And I don't want to look at people that are good to me and healthy and kind and quote unquote normal and just see them as friends and then see people that are violent and abusive and aggressive and hostile and threatening and intimidating as love because they cause that up and down. They cause that um, like Stockholm syndrome reaction, that trauma response in me. And for so long, I associated that as what love was. So for me, it's a matter of unconditioning myself and unlearning 
that association, right? So the first place to start is therapy, obviously. Um, you know, if you have severe complex post-traumatic stress disorder, I would say try to get into EMDR or professional counseling at the least, any type of behavioral therapy. Um, that's the first step, but we have to come to terms with our fear of intimacy. We have to think about events in our life and try to understand where these fears come from. Are you unconsciously destroying relationships? And do you want meaning more meaningful relationships, but you're you're scared, you're resistant, you block yourself from that. Step number two, learn to value yourself. This is the hardest one for me. Um, all relationships, anything in life, whether it's a new job, we just moved, it, it all comes with a degree of uncertainty. Many intimate relationships are worth having, even if they don't last forever. You all know I'm so spiritual and I believe that everything, we picked our life, life paths. We have these karmic ties and these soul connections, soulmate relationships that were predestined at birth. And it's all part of our karma and our dharma and the lessons that we chose to learn in this lifestyle, lifetime, excuse me. So cut yourself some slack. You don't have to believe in all the quantum physics of it, but nothing is perfect. No one's perfect. You're not perfect. And neither is any potential relationship partner. So, you know, even if you don't end the relationship, someone ends the relationship with you, you lose a job, you lose an opportunity. It's, it's nothing about your value as a person. Just know that. Then if we are in a relationship, by all means, we have to learn to communicate. Also extremely hard for me. Try try and try again to just be open with your partner. If it's not too painful, I would highly suggest and recommend from someone that has experienced this personally, talking about your fears and where they come from. And if it's too painful to discuss, just explain that you're willing to work through these issues and maybe go to couples therapy. You know, define your personal boundaries. Describe what makes you or helps you feel safe as well as things that trigger fear. Tell your partner your triggers. Super important. Um, tell them what you need and let them know that you're trying to overcome this and you're working on it. Number three or four, I'm kind of losing track of here. Obviously seek help. I will never iterate that enough. Um, I get how hard it could be to try to set boundaries and communicate with your partner if in the past, as someone that's been sexually assaulted, you've told someone no or you've spoken up and you've you've asserted your truth and it was completely disregarded or ignored. I remember telling my ex um, from 2016 that I was suicidal and I was scared I was going to do something to hurt myself. and. I felt like I need to go into the hospital. And you think, you know, it's my boyfriend. I can be honest about this stuff. Well, he told me you would never actually really kill yourself. Like, I would love to see that because you're too much of a pussy to do it. And it hurts so bad when we are vulnerable and we share our shadows with someone and they use it against us or completely walk all over us. But the right person will hold that so dearly and tender and they will not do that to you. They will use it as an opportunity to love you more, to love you better. So if you or your partner has a fear of intimacy, just keep the lines of communication open. Let them know when you're, you know, you're um, available to listen. 
don't push them into reveling the source of their fears. Um, don't be afraid of the pain. Walk through it together to, to become stronger. Um, that's what I think a successful relationship is. When you use each other's fears and imperfections and flaws to grow stronger together and to, to get closer to one another and being patient and helping each other feel safe. Ask what you can do to help them to feel safe. Support them. Because learning to cope takes time. It's, it's not easy, but keep in mind that their fear of intimacy is not about you personally, or your fear of intimacy has nothing to do with your ability to love and be loved. You know, so it can, all in all, the takeaway, the fear of intimacy or associating love with pain and responding negative, negatively to being loved, um, it, it can lead you to do some things that you regret. <laughs> you know how many times I've thought about ending my relationship with Nick because I just thought it'd be easier, um, because it'd be safer, because I'm doing him a favor, um, because he's, he's whatever for loving me. Um, I thought I had to save him by ending the relationship. It can lead you to sabotage your relationships and isolate yourself all in all. And it takes time and it takes patience and it takes a lot of commitment and dedication and hard work. But I think that you can learn to overcome your fears and eventually form meaningful bonds with others because the main core at the source of it is you feel like you don't deserve to be loved. You feel like you're unwanted. You feel like you're not good enough. You're unworthy. You don't see your value. And we often assume that just because we can't see that we're lovable, other people will never be able to comprehend that as well. And that is a disillusion that is simply not true. That is your trauma brain speaking, and we have to let that shit go. So I'm going to end this here because the timer's on. I have like 45 seconds left before it cuts me off. I love you all so much. I appreciate you listening. Um, it means the world to me. I hope to connect with you personally. You can send me your questions for Ask a Sex Educator segment. And I hope you all have a great weekend. I'm not sure when I'm going to upload this, but you and your support mean the world to me. Your life matters. You matter. And I hope you have a sexy day. Thank you.